This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. And you're like, holy shit, this guy just got here. CU head football coach Mel Tucker says, bye Felicia. Bad form. Should Major League Baseball allow more teams into the postseason? It has worked in the NBA. It's worked in the NHL. Has it worked in the NBA? If you're an eight and you squeak in, it does make it exciting for the fans. But more often than not, you get roasted in the first round because mm-hmm. you're playing the one seat. And Drew chats with Hall of Famer. Larry Walker. The phone made a noise. It started ringing and uh, everybody started going crazy and I lost breath. I lost focus. Uh, I kind of went a little numb and somebody yelled at me to pick the damn phone up and answer it before it goes to voicemail. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Browman. Welcome everybody to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Browman. It is number 31. We're just rolling along. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you as um, cranky about all this snow as 90% of the people I run into are? It's no, February. Not, hello, it's February. It's supposed to damn snow. We live in Denver, Colorado. Right? You know we're a mile high? I do. Yeah. I've known it for a bit. Yeah. It didn't snow for two months. We got like a foot and a half before Thanksgiving. Yeah. We had the snowblower out on Thanksgiving. It did not snow for two months. And now it's snowing and everybody wants to move to Scottsdale, which isn't a bad place. So here's one thing I've noticed about you guys is that- Like my team? Your team. This is what your team does. You guys- Your team has some flaws too now. I just want to (laughs) set that up before we go down this path. This is a nice thing about your team. You shovel each other's driveways. You snowblow each other's driveways. It's a man thing. Like, oh, why are you giving me the funny look? No reason. Snowblow? Come on. We're bigger than that, Drew. I'm juvenile. We're, we're <laughs> I've had a beer. Um, we it's about taking care of your little part of the world, and if you can snowblow your neighbor's <laughs> driveway, yeah, you've done something really good in your neighborhood, right? So I'm glad or I put shov- a s- I shoveled my neighbor's walk uh, before I came down here today. I know. I'm sure you did. I did. I'm sure you did. Um, <laughs> you, you are sure. I, right. I know. I know. Okay. So I'm glad a smile's on your face. Shame on you. Because you and I were cranky today when we were talking about that this Mel Tucker situation. We're going to get right into it. The Boyer's Coffee, What's Hot segment. What the hell? This whole situation. Um, I may play devil's advocate a little bit, but I want your take when you heard that Mel Tucker was going to Michigan State. Very quickly, like a lot of people, they saw a tweet um, a few nights ago that Michigan State wanted to interview... Um, Fickle at Cincinnati, right. right, Julie, and and Mel Tucker. Those were their two names. Right. And you're like, holy shit, this guy just got here. All right, well, people think highly of him. We've seen this before in college football. And then he, he danced with them. And- well, then he sent out, he sent out, this is my issue with this whole thing. When that report came out that he was one of two, he sent out a tweet that said, I, while I'm honored by the interest, basically, I have unfinished business here. Hashtag unfinished business. That we need to do some building here. Like the tweet was, I'm staying here, basically. Right. And okay. Then, and then he interviewed, obviously. Yeah. And he, and he either turned them down because then he, last night, literally, we're talking about yesterday. And he, as we taped this on a Wednesday night, he's already done his press conference in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. 
He was visiting with several donors last night. He did three local radio shows in Colorado. He sent out another tweet. I'm staying, with, like you said, unfinished business, the whole nine yards. And then in the middle of last night, he takes the job. Bad form. I understand how this business works. I understand opportunities come around and you say, well, you couldn't turn this down. What I'm troubled by, and I don't know all of the facts yet, but I'm pretty sure they will come out. Did Colorado have an opportunity? Were they willing to either match what Michigan State was now putting forth Mm -hmm. or come reasonably close? Preliminarily, Julie, it appears that Mel Tucker never gave them that opportunity. So he, I think he's going, with incentives, he's going to get paid double the amount that he got paid in Boulder, and his coaches are getting paid double the amount, and I think there's been something with the facilities. So that it's a, it is a, it reminds me of when Masai Ujiri was here with Denver, mm-hmm. and Denver wanted to keep him, but then Toronto gave him so many things that he wanted and more money. I guess that's my question to you. While it while the, it's bad form, and um, you we we're going to talk about loyalty. Is it up to CU to counter and say is it is it CU part of the CU's fault? Well, if you if, if you want to play in the arena of the big boys and you, and you want to keep referencing and hearkening back to 1990, which was now by the way 30 years ago when you won a national championship, and you want to play on that stage, all of a sudden stuff like this may happen. And if you don't want to be a stepping stone university when it comes to football, you are going to have to belly up. No, I'm, I, I've heard, and again, I can't confirm this, that CU is willing to you know, make significant concessions already after one year mm-hmm. in terms of paying him more and, and maybe increasing the coach's pool, et cetera. Here's one of my other issues. You played high school sports. Um, we've all been around in our profession, right? We've been around sports. Um, I, I was an athlete, a college athlete for a while. We always talk about integrity, accountability, be a part of something larger than yourself. Team, 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 right? Mm-hmm. It is shoved down everybody's throat. And you know what? Those are all strong qualities that you'd want within your organization, if it's a business, certainly within your athletic teams, right? Right. If you can conduct your life as such individually, as a family member, awesome. And yet, you know, you get pissed off if somebody, you know, misses a practice, misses a class, or seems to be self-centered. And yet, here, 14 months in, this isn't, you know, four or five years in where, boy, he now Colorado's a 10-win team and and, a, and another program came a-calling and it's closer to where he's from. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, we've seen that happen before. But, Julie, how can you say that to your kids, when I say your kids, your 100-plus football players at CU, mm-hmm. and then you disappear in the in the thin of the night? Okay, what I think the issue, the my biggest issue with this is that tweet that he sent out saying, I'm flattered, but hashtag unfinished business. This is where we want to be. And we've got to build here. To me, that was, you're lying. If you had just gone radio silent, 
while you're thinking about this, that's one thing. But when you come out and you say those things and then they double your salary, because that's when I think the ante went went up is after he had released that. And then you change your mind. The thing I think is, well, if you're at Michigan State and and, and the team starts doing well, you shouldn't feel good that Mel Tucker is not going to go, oh, wait, that Michigan job's open. How about, how about Wisconsin, his alma mater? What if that opens up? Right, because he's shown that the dollar is more important. Now, I am not going to um, kill this guy for doubling his salary. I don't like how he went about it. I met him a few times. We had him in the booth. I, I met him recently, uh, happened to sit near him at, at a CU Buffs game, basketball game. Mm-hmm. Very likable. Yeah. Y- you get why... He had re-energized that program. I know some football players up there. Uh, my, my oldest son is a student up there. Uh, he knows a lot of football players. They're really, you know, really excited. I, I'll make an analogy, and this is probably a poor one, Julie. Um, I, I know we're talking about millions of dollars, but he was also making multi-millions of dollars at the University of Colorado. Mm-hmm. And it is seventeen million if he had lived up to the incentive. So that's pretty good. That's that's not bad, right? Right. Many, many years ago, this probably goes back twenty five, twenty seven years ago at least. I I was scheduled to do a gig, I think it was a college basketball game for it was probably prime sports. And I was doing most of my work. I was employed by them, right? And ESPN, who I would freelance for, called me about doing two track meets in Europe. Mm. One was in Brussels, and I forget where the other one was. Mm. He was spending two weeks in Europe, more money, pretty damn cool, get to spend two weeks, all all expenses paid in Europe, right? Mm. And and another you know, opportunity at ESPN, a national network. And at the same time, it was like my lucky week or something, USA Network, which I don't even know, is there, is there a USA Network still? I don't even know, but they were, they were doing sports back then. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity to do an ACC basketball game at Duke. That's so pretty dang good. All of them, the two other events, my agent called me, conflicted with whatever Was this Alan? At the time, yes. Alan Alan Sanders is my agent at the time. And um it all conflicted with a somewhat local college basketball game I had. And I was, oh my gosh, you know, I wanted to do either one of the two were great, right? right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't, I can't in good conscience. And I know we're not talking about millions of dollars, but it was an opportunity. And I and I couldn't in good conscience go, hey, I need to get out of this gig with my main employer because mm-hmm. this is a sexier assignment or that's a sexier assignment. It didn't feel right. It, it didn't feel right. And and for, for Mel Tucker, yeah, I go, man, you know, he's sitting there with his wife discussing it and saying, you know, we're, we're going to turn down extra millions of dollars. And who knows? He may have been able to recoup most of that money with Colorado. We were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. And yet he felt like he could leave after 14 months. It just doesn't feel right to me. Again, Julie, if we were four years into it and you're like, okay, I get it. The guy went, you know, he's a Big Ten guy. He got to start in, in East Lansing. It doesn't feel great now, but he's four years down the road. You understand it. When Jim McElwain left for Florida, you got it. I think we kind of knew that was coming. I yeah. felt more like that than than I was a little bit more. I guess nothing surprising in sports. I'm not sure I was shocked, but I, I, w- I was a little surprised. Um, I read something on Sports Illustrated was basically talking about the ridiculousness of college sports right now when talking about the money. And they were saying that Michigan State, like, wait a sec, let's think about this. 
This guy led his team to a five and seven, a losing record. And he's been there one year. Yeah. Hello. Right. right. So, you know, I don't know how people in Michigan State feel about it, but I, I, I don't know. It's just. Uh, how, how about this one, Jules? You're you're a quote unquote student athlete. You were just recruiting. He can recruit now. Yeah. That was one of the things that we could talk all that we want. I've said this to you before, and I'll and I'll repeat it. Dave Lapham, who who is one of my favorite partners of all time, he still does the Bengals on radio. Um, played played for Cincinnati for a long time. He he used to say we'd be doing a college football game on Fox, and he and he would say, "You can X and all all you want." But if their X's are bigger, stronger, faster than your O's, mm-hmm. you ain't got a shot. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about Nick Saban's a great coach and this guy's a great coach. And they are. Mm-hmm. But guess what? If they have me and you and Kristen playing for them, they ain't winning shit. Well, we'll cheat. Right? I mean, I'm yeah. sorry to throw you all under the bus, <laughs> but they ain't winning. Right. So well, we ain't winning. I'm part of that. X's and O's, you're talking about money now? No, I'm talking about it's all about recruiting. Yeah. And he and and he really is a, an excellent recruiter talking about Mel Tucker. And now there are people upset. Drew Pearson, the famous, you know, number 88 for the Dallas Cowboys. I guess he was recruiting his grandson, Mel was. Uh-huh. And he feels like you know what we're you know they asked him, "Are you going to be here? Are you going to be here?" He goes, "Absolutely. I'm not going anywhere. I love it here. We love Boulder, that sort of Ugh. thing." So kids are reminded, "Oh yeah, Marry yourself to a school and a program, not a coach. My two boys, you know, one still playing college baseball, one did, and they they always talk about that. You can say that all you want, but the front guy, the guy who's recruiting you, that means something. I mean, if you click with them personally, you can't just dismiss that and go, no, I, I completely signed up to play football in Boulder. All those kids in that top 35 recruiting class, Julie, they're going to Boulder. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's hopefully Colorado's on a, uh, on the rise. Mm-hmm. But but the magnetism ultimately of the guy who's going to close, you know, maybe a position coach in their house initially, but the guy who's going to close the deal is Mel Tucker. So the only other guy right now that's going to get me fired up and maybe kind of swoop in and save this, and I don't even actually know him that well, is Eric Bianfi. I feel like he could get the state, because the state, I think, college football fans were getting kind of excited. Even though it was one year, it was a losing record. I think we all kind of felt like mm, maybe they found their guy. Eric Bianami has started to really prove himself in the NFL, obviously, as a CU alum. I don't know if he has any interest in stepping away from now the NFL, which is now he's very highly regarded. Would he come here? There are a lot of people. It's an interesting name. It's probably the first name that that jumped off people's, uh, you right. know, into their into their mouths this morning because he's a passionate former buff. What what I don't know is he's on the cusp, you would think, disappointed this year, and understandably so, that he didn't get an NFL head coaching job this year. Right. Next year, when the half a dozen jobs come open, you would think he's going to be front and center, and he'll get it. Now, does he value being a head coach in the NFL more than potentially, if he could get the CU job, being the head coach at his alma mater? I don't know. Uh, because there's a lot more money in the NFL. Yeah, there's a lot more money, but you know, at some at some point in time, you're going to make a lot of money being a major college coach. Mm-hmm. You come back home if you're Eric Bieniemy. I mean, he's yeah. from Southern California, but you know, he he loves Boulder. He was here with John Embry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know they're going to have a conversation, yeah. and I guarantee you, he's going to listen. 
you're right. I agree with you. That would would save some things. This thing is so awkward. Darren Cheverini's the you know who's who's a terrific recruiter in his own right is the interim coach. Julie, this is not the normal time frame where you're looking for a, a college football coach. Yeah. You know, got you have a shitty year, and on November 26th, you get your walking papers, and then in that late November, early December window, that's the feeding frenzy for for when coaches move, right? It's not mid-February. You know what they're doing in mid-February? They're dotting the I's and crossing the T's on, on each day's practice for spring practice, how they're going to go about their business in mm-hmm. spring practice. And they're sending out texts again, welcoming the class that just signed last week, the f- final day of you know National Letter of Intent. And now you're looking for a football coach. And guys are going to show up at the facility to lift. And, yeah, you have your strength coach. And you may be talking to your position coach. How about this? We haven't even discussed this. So I'm going, you're my position coach. I'm going in the room, and I'm a defensive back. And, and I might not even be here. It, that's my point, Julie. All of a sudden, two days Wait, later. Job. Right. <laughs> you may be fired by the new staff, or Mel may call you and go, hey, we're paying you a you know a, a buck yeah. 40 to be the secondary coach we're going to pay you 280 to come to east lansing and you're going to on your way out the door maybe wave goodbye to me it's very unsettling in boulder right now very unsettling oh unfortunately that's what's hot brought to you by boyer's coffee i don't really feel that well right now hey speaking of boyer's coffee though it's one of my favorite coffee places if not my favorite obviously i work up in that area you know they've got that cafe 7295 washington street you know you can find it online boyerscoffee.com you know you can find it at safeway king supers albertson's it is we are very proud of boyer's coffee because they are a colorado company they've been roasting in the rocky mountains since 1965 they're a little older than i am not as old as i am though um but close (laughs) I love Boyer's Coffee. I love their whole vibe if you can get up there onto Washington and get to their place. But if you can't, you can create your own vibe. Mm-hmm. As you said, go to your local supermarket, buy Boyer's Coffee, and um, there's something special. I know people just throw it out there, but it's important to, to you as a native. It's important to me as a near native to support our local companies and Boyers is a local company. They're socially conscious, conscious. They're environmentally conscious. Um, I love everything about them, and they make, and they make great coffee. So think about that when you're in the aisle. I always I have a Keurig, by the way, and there's so many choices. You know, of all the different brands. Think about that as you go through all the choices and you and you see Boyers. Think about some of that stuff that we've been telling you. Maybe hopefully you stop and pick up a package. Okay, we're gonna switch over to baseball. We are. You did have a conversation with Larry Walker which he went into the Hall of Fame, the first Colorado Rocky to get into the Hall of Fame. We will bring you that interview in just a little bit. It's a great interview. Really fun. I mean, he's Canadian, right? So he's well, like... And everybody, yeah, I think most people remember, Larry's a character. Yeah. I mean, Larry's a phenomenal is. player. He's still a character. Yeah. He loves to have fun. So we'll hear from Larry Walker in just a sec. But you sent us a article earlier in the week about the Major League Baseball is thinking about changing the postseason. And are you... Can you explain it? And are you excited about it? Well... Right now, there are 30 major league teams, and uh, Rob Manfred's on record as saying he'd like to expand by two. I know he wants to work out the situation in Tampa with getting them a new stadium, You know, however that's going to work. He wants to do the same thing in Oakland because those two facilities are not long-term viable. Once that those situations work themselves out, Major League Baseball wants to add two teams. Where do they want to add? Well, Julie, it's... It's interesting because 
I think there's going to be a strong push to go back to where Walker started in Montreal. In Montreal. Oh, wow. Every year, they play a couple of exhibition games, Toronto does, in Montreal, mm-hmm. and they get like 40,000 people. They, they would have to build a new stadium, probably on the river there, um, but there's, there's great baseball tradition in Montreal. Having done a number of games up there, you know, first nationally for Fox and for FX, and then when the Rockies played up there before, obviously they, they just, you know, moved to Washington. Montreal's a world-class city. I'm hopeful they get a team. Other candidates, Nashville, one of the fastest mm. growing cities in America, That'd vibrant city, right? Be a lot of fun. Music, <laughs> a lot you know, of country fun. music. Yeah. Um, they're going to be a strong candidate. You know, Charlotte's been mentioned. To, it's really close to Atlanta. Uh, Las Vegas now comes up in every conversation when you talk about sports expansion. The mm-hmm. Raiders, we know, are going there. The, mm-hmm. Na- the Knights have done very well in the NHL. Um, you know, Portland, Oregon is mentioned. Could you go down to Mexico? Is that does that work? I mean, if you were in Monterey, I think it would be too far to go to Mexico City. That's just my supposition. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's other viable cities before yeah. you're going to do that. So, so the, those are if it expands, those are some of the cities you're going to hear about. But to your original question, thirty-two teams. Let's say let's take that leap and now expand the pool of teams that make the postseason to fourteen, seven. So in other words, there'd be four, three division winners, right? Right. And three wild cards, 16 teams in each, well, actually, maybe four division winners, and excuse me, four division winners, maybe three wild cards, something like that, because you'd have four teams of four, uh, four divisions of four. Ouch, so 16. Okay. Right? <laughs> what you're saying is there's going to be more teams. There would be more teams. Game. And the, 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 let's simplify it. And yeah. the point is... If you're in July and your team's kind of hovering around 500 and maybe right now you feel like, well, my team's hopelessly out of it, it gives um, more fans reason to stick with baseball and to watch in August and into September because there are more teams. It has worked in the NBA. It's worked in the NHL. Has it worked in the NBA? I mean, it's more exciting if your team's in – Usually, okay, if you're an eight and you squeak in, it does make it exciting for the fans, but more often than not, you get roasted in the first round because mm-hmm. you're playing the one seed. So has it worked in the NBA? Well, here's where it really works, as we know, in the NHL. Mm. Yeah, because eights can... Because eights can beat ones. You right. get a hot goaltender. Yeah. And we both know in baseball, Julie, it's the same deal. Hot All pitcher. of a sudden, a team gets hot, like the yeah. Rockies did in 07, and they, and they start steamrolling their way, even if they were a wild card team. So I think it's... Um, you're right. In the NBA, you know, we saw the Nuggets upset Seattle many years ago. I think right. Miami and the Knicks one time, but eights don't beat ones. But in baseball, it could happen, and it you have to continually move forward with the times. And we're trying to get the next generation of young people who are easily distracted, as we all know, mm-hmm. involved in the sport of baseball. Will give their teams more hope at playing beyond game one sixty two. I tell you, here in Colorado, we would like that. Sure, we because would. Because we have it, the Dodgers. Because we have the Dodgers, right? Sure. So here in Colorado, I would like that. Yeah. Um, what do you think the chances are that's going to happen? That was my little computer. I I absolutely think, uh, you know, Rob Manfred's a very forward-thinking guy. I, I think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about, I mean, he's done. he's trying to shorten the games a little bit. He's, he's very aware of 
of of making the sport as appealing as possible and changing with the times. If you don't change with the times in in many different vocations, you get left behind. Right. So I think even though I've always said the beautiful thing about baseball is they don't bring every team, every 500 team or near 500 team to the postseason like sometimes happens in the NBA or the NHL um, or even the NFL, but I do think they have to expand the playoff pool, and I do think this will happen in some form in the not-too-distant future. Speaking of keeping up with the times, your friends at Ideal Home Loans always keep up with the times. They always do. That's a very nice segue, Julie. Thank you. That was outstanding. Uh, Yes, Ideal Home Loans is on top of things. I just utilized them to uh, purchase a new house. Um, They're going to take you soup to nuts. They're going to make it so easy. And listen, when when you're taking out a, a major loan, it can be a stressful thing. You don't want it to be. You want to to feel like every call is answered. They're calling you. They're taking care of all the documents, everything you need to make it a simple process. They do that at Ideal Home Loans. Give them a call, 303-867-7000. It's 303-867-7000. They are also, we we're talking about Boyers, they are a locally owned and operated company. Brent Ivinson started them in 2001. They help homeowners and home buyers. It's a great place to uh, refinance. Uh, if you if you have some debt, you can consolidate credit card debt. We know how good the rates are right now. But you may have said, hey, I, I just refinanced a couple of years ago. Check with them. Give them a call. They may be able to send you, uh, save you even uh, more money now because of how rates are doing and how efficient they are at doing uh, business. Again, they've been around since 2001. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Their number again, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans. Okay, so now it's time for the Ideal Home Loans interview of the week. We talked about it earlier. You cut up with Larry Walker. There's actually a pretty fantastic story that goes along with this. A wonderful interview that you did. Um, We're so proud of Larry Walker. So let's hear this interview with Larry Walker brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. All right, well, take us through this again. You're down at your house in West Palm Beach, and you have uh, all your loved ones around you, and you're waiting for that phone call, and you have an idea as to if you're going to get it, when it would come, and now precious minutes are ticking away. Yeah, I was kind of informed that uh, possibly around 5.15 local time here in Florida, um, that if a call was going to come, it would be, Kind of in that area. I mean, they did say between 5 and 5.30, and then it got kind of more centralized to 5.15. And and uh, I had the phone sitting on the on the bar area outside, and uh got about 12 or 15 people here. And I just told them, I go, okay, it's going to sit there, and if it rings, you'll know. And you'll see the number and uh, start recording, because that's what they, they wanted us to do. So, and, uh, yeah, 6.15, we were out there, and then 6.18 and 19, 6.20, and it's kind of like, ah, okay. I, I kind of I made an announcement and saying about 90 seconds from now, let's just head her in, and we'll watch the, uh, we'll watch the actual thing happen on TV. It's at uh, 6.15 local here. So, And about 30 seconds later, uh, the phone made a noise. It started ringing, and uh, everybody started going crazy. And, you know, they couldn't even see the see the number on there yet they didn't even know what the number was so but they all started going crazy and i saw the area code being 212 so i knew exactly what it was and uh yeah i kind of i lost breath i lost focus 
uh, I kind of went a little numb, and somebody yelled at me to pick the damn phone up and answer it before it goes to voicemail. So <laughs> <laughs> I did, and uh, and then yeah, I, had, I put uh, Jack O'Connell on speakerphone, and everybody could hear what he was saying, and uh, and that's and that's when it all went down. All right, I've got to ask you this: How nervous were you leading up to the twenty first? Because now there are all kinds of projections, and you knew it was going to be fairly close, the 75%. Did you sleep the night before? Yeah, no no issues sleeping the night before. Um, well, actually, the night before was tough. I had uh, I had my buddy in from uh, from out of town, and one of my brothers was here. And, and we stayed up and had a, had a couple sodas, and uh, we... I think we're we were up till about three in the morning that night, and we were kind of doing our own little tribute to, uh, to the band Rush, and listening and watching Rush videos on TV and and jamming to them. So by the time I went to bed, I was too tired to think about anything else. And and then leading up to the five fifteen ish time on uh, on Tuesday, twentieth there, I uh, was it the twentieth? I can't remember the date. Twenty first? I don't remember now. But uh, no, it wasn't. Wasn't nervous until really we all sat out at the bar and you know we got out there about five o'clock and had a drink and just uh, kicked back and uh, you know I stayed busy all day doing stuff outside and running around inside. I had a bunch of people here uh, and and with food and everything. It's really my mind was occupied until I actually sat down and it was it was that time. So as this whole thing unfolds, there were some things that were so fitting with your shall we say, infatuation with the number three. Yeah, I, that was uh, that was the number that uh, I've seen a, numerous different numbers, projections that were out there. Some some had me over 75, some had me under, and, uh, and one had me at 73.3. And I said, well, that's only fitting. Well, that's what I, kind of how I feel it's going to go, too. So, you know, when I, I sent uh, a tweet out saying I thought I was going to come a little bit short, that was the number that I was, I've been telling everybody here at the house, and and uh, and that's how I felt. And then when the call comes in, uh, I find out uh, uh, from the call what number I actually had, and it was 76.6. Uh, so I, I was off by 3.3. And uh, and then later that night, talking to media uh, hours later after the announcement, uh, I was told I was the 333rd person to be put into the Hall of Fame. That one, I'm sorry. You know, everybody who, who played sports at some point in time has a number. They have their jersey number. But I think for you, you take it a couple of notches farther. I remember you telling me a story uh, a while back. Unfortunately, you went through a divorce, and, and you said, yep, it cost me $3.3 million. So everything has to do with your jersey number of 33. So it, it's almost chilling, man, that you end up being the 333rd member of the Hall of Fame. No, like I say, there was uh, people ask, are you upset that it took 10 years? And, well, without it taking 10 years, I never would have been 333rd. So uh, I needed all 10 years, and, uh, you know, and I I needed whoever was going in with me to be uh, a higher percentage, which obviously Derek was, and and then, then I fell in behind him. By the way, with Jeter... And it was a fate to complete with Jeter. You knew he was going to be, well, we thought he was going to be unanimous, and who knows, he came up one vote short. 
you're sitting there on the stage in New York at the press conference, and you're kind of sitting next to this icon who you had played against, obviously. But what what's going through your mind? Well, I obviously met him before out on the field, and and we had hung one night uh, over in the Bahamas. Um, funny story, I was there years 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 back, and I think we were both still playing at the time, and uh, I was down there just goofing off on some slot machines. Or I think I sat down at the blackjack table, and I was just playing a little blackjack uh, late one afternoon, and and I looked over at another table, and I recognized the guy that was playing over there, and he's waving at me and invites me to come over, and because uh, he was playing over there by himself, and it was Matt Damon. So Matt Damon and, and, and I hook up, and we start playing, and we're drinking having a good old time, and Probably had a few too many beers because every time we got blackjack, we kissed each other on the cheek. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know how many beers you got to have to, to do something like that. But, uh, but then Derek, uh, and a friend that he was with at the time came by and he sat down and played with us for a couple hours as well. So it was a pretty, a pretty star-studded, uh, table, maybe not including myself, but, uh, with Matt Damon and Derek Jeter, uh, we played blackjack for a while and, and just seemed like a really great guy back then. And all the times I'd seen him on the field or at all-star games, uh, Always down to earth and no different when we got up to New York uh, after the announcement. Just a funny guy, great sense of humor, and uh, really easy to talk to. That is a classic story. I hadn't heard of that one. It's a pretty good deal, you and Matt Damon and Jeter. Speaking of Jeter, greater accomplishment, his remarkable baseball career, or the fact that living in the Big Apple, he dated virtually every beautiful woman in the world and nobody ever had any dirt on him. <laughs> well, I, I've seen that starting lineup. Somebody sent me a, a text with the starting lineup of all the women he dated and from and put them all in a position on the field. So, um, you know, I, 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 I'll stay away from that one. That's, uh, you know, the, first, the personal life stuff is uh, out of bounds, out of bounds. Yeah. Just, just yeah. Not, but, uh, I think, obviously, I think what he did on the field and what he didn't do off the field, you know, it's, in today's uh, sporting world, it, it's hard to stay clean, even if you're a clean person, you know. I mean, I, yeah. I remember there was an issue with, uh, I wanted to say names, but I was at, at a bar, was sitting with a guy, and, and a girl came up beside him and kissed him on the cheek, all in, while and somebody else was on the other side of the bar taking a picture of this girl doing this. You know, just completely out of the blue, right. and that was used to try to get the player in trouble. So the fact that he yeah. stayed clean, kept himself out of trouble, uh, in New York City like he did and, and doing all the things he did was uh, was one thing, but uh, what he did on the field was uh, magnificent. Absolutely. Hey, I got to tell you a story. So you're at the press conference, and I'm in a weight room on the road doing a college basketball game and, and getting a, a quick workout, and I'm watching, and when you made that statement in your opening remarks that though it was a really difficult decision, and after all, I mean, you're Canadian, and you come up with the Expo, so it's not just a, a simple deal that you're going to put a Rockies cap on, but when you made the announcement that, uh, you know, after talking to the Hall that, that you wanted to wear a Rockies cap, I started pumping my fist in the air. I was so fired up. That was a special moment, forget for me, it was a special moment for the whole region. Well, as it turned out, it, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. And then the more I thought about it, it became difficult because like, wow, this is, I, I'm Canadian. I'm, I played in Canada for the Canadian team that was there. And, and you know, it wasn't just a, a year or two. I was there for six years and, 
and th- there was a lot of time, a lot of first that happened there in my career. So, and, and then you know you look on the other side of the coin, and it's it's the Rockies, and I spent almost ten years there. I won MVP, I, I batting titles, uh, you know, uh, we went to the playoffs in the first year of the wild card. Just a, a lot of good things happened there too, as well. So, but I, I, and I think there's more good things that happened with the Rockies uniform on than with the Expos and. Uh, even though the Canadian part was big, uh, I, I thought it, I thought it was the right thing to do and to be the first Rocky to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know that was kind of special too to be the one and the only one in there with the Rockies hat on was cool. And and as I found out, I was the last one that could left. There's no other players that have Expo ties that could possibly. Win. I guess that answers that question. And then to go back to the beginning of that question. Uh, I've seen you before, Drew, and you said you're in the gym working out. Are you actually lifting weights, or what are you doing in this? Uh, walk, nice try. Good attempt at humor. I've known you for a while. You, uh, you're wittier than that. You have better material than that. <laughs> hey, when you signed in 95 with the Rockies, one of the things you said is it, it reminded you of, of growing up in, in British Columbia, the beauty of the mountains, etc. So I'm sure it has not been lost on you that when – you go into Cooperstown. You're not just representing Denver. You're not just representing the state of Colorado. You are representing an entire region. Yeah, it's um, like I say, I, I'm re- representing uh, um, you know, the state of Colorado, and, and I'm and, and I'm saying that right now as I look as in the, in the mail came today this proclamation uh, for Larry Walker Week, which took place January 27th to January 31st uh, from the governor. Uh, and uh, it's just a neat piece of paper I have here that came today that I'm going to have get framed and put up. But, uh, you know, as a visitor coming into Colorado with the Montreal Expos, man, I just fell in love with the city. And, uh, you know, the the city itself, the, the, the views, the fresh mountain air, just everything was appealing to me as it reminded me of growing up back home in British Columbia. So that right there was a, a big interest for me. And, uh, and you know, like I say, we, uh, we approached the, the Rockies and Bob Gebhardt, uh, didn't seem too thrilled on it because he referred to the first and the fifteenth of every month would be a tough thing for them to match up with, with uh, contract wise. So, but uh, fortunately for me, uh, they pulled it off and I got to put a Rockies uniform on. This is going to be obviously a remarkable year for you, but it's going to be a busy year because before you go and get inducted into Cooperstown and the Hall of Fame in late July, you have a special date on April nineteenth when your jersey gets retired at Coors Field. Yeah, that was quite a few days uh, that went by on Sunday. Uh, uh, two days before the Hall of Fame announcement, Dick Montfort called me and, and informed me of that. So there's a three-day period there that was uh, pretty out of this world when I consider what happened. You know, I, I, I've said it. There's there's no bigger honor that a team can give a, a player individually than to retire his number. And, um, gosh, I... I, I one of those ones I've been lost for words on, and I'm going to probably be lost for words when I get there on on April 19th and have to speak you know, at the ballpark and and just figure out what the you know like I said, I'm always going to do. I'm going to speak from my heart. Uh, hopefully it makes sense, but uh, uh, just an incredible honor for them to do this. And like I said, I get to I get to there are times I come into that ballpark and every player and fan that goes in that ballpark they get to see number 33 hanging up there. Um, right beside what I've called and, and said before, the, the greatest Rocky of them all, and, and Todd. And uh, you know, and that's, it's a it's a special moment to have that jersey retired and to be up there next to him. Yeah, not far from where you made your living in right field. And I've always meant to ask you this: 
how did you come up with the deke? So creative, ball over your head, and you obviously have this great arm, and you're not going to be able to make a catch, but you deke so many guys into turning doubles into singles. Cargo ended up picking up on it and would do it uh, on occasion as well in right field, but you kind of originated that. Well, you know, my whole career I learned, and I learned in the minor leagues from watching other players was a big part of my game. You know, not only from the managers and coaches along the way, but seeing what other players did and and using their successes and their failures. And the one thing I always saw everybody fail at was how they would try to deke a runner. It was There was no theatrical part of it. It was just throwing your glove up in the air, and it just looked silly, you know, the uh, you know, when you go to catch a ball to to throw it in, to, like you're going to throw it to a base to get somebody, and, you, you know, your legs are involved, your shoulders, your head, the hands are up, the, the other hand's by your glove, maybe you got your glasses down. There's a lot that goes into it other than just throwing your glove up in the air with a quick flip, and that's what you always see people do. So I just wanted to take it a step farther off of what other people didn't do, and that's really how it came to me doing it. One thing people may or may not know about you is that you're pretty sentimental. And I'm imagining that with April 19th, with late July in Cooperstown, the emotions may pour out of you. I remember watching a Miley Cyrus movie one time, and I, I was crying my eyes out at it. I'm like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I, I, I definitely get emotional, especially in movies, because I really get into them and, 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 and when I watch them. And, and you know, when I'm and sometimes and usually all the time when I'm in the moment, like I'm going to be on April 19th and July 26th, I'll be in the moment, and it, and it really hits me. And uh, gosh, I can't uh, I can't help what comes out of my dang eyeballs, and and I'll start stuttering and sound like a babbling little baby. But uh, like I say, it's just it's who I am, and uh, I, I guess I just got to get my way around it. Hopefully, everybody, everybody can understand me. Have you started working on the speech yet, or is it a little too early? I started, I got two pages into the Cooperstown speech. Um, just one day something hit me, and, uh, and they said if you start, can't sleep. Like last night, I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about uh, the speech. And, you know, you, you, they suggest you get up and start writing stuff down. So it's kind of what I did. I started writing stuff down quick. And then I got those two pages done, and I thought to myself, well, good gosh, that's not till the end of July. I got this thing on April 19th in Colorado that I need to figure out what the heck I'm going to say at that first before I got to worry about Cooperstown. So right now my energy is trying to figure out what's, uh, what's going to happen April 19th when I step in front of that microphone. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward, as everybody is, to both dates. That is going to be an absolute mob scene in Cooperstown. First of all, three-quarters of the New York metropolitan area are going to head up to Cooperstown because of Jeter. Canada. Half of Canada is going to come down because of you, and a good portion of the Rocky Mountain region is going to head east. Well, I've, I've kind of been – they've hinted at that, and, and you touched on it. Just with Derek going in alone, could set records. You know, like you say, you're talking about the, one of the greatest Yankees ever uh, and, and just ball player ever, too. So it's uh, a lot involved when you're in New York. You play for New York, and Cooperstown's in New York. And then the Canadian border not being too far away could uh, – could add some extra people to that, so there. there I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say it can't go over a hundred thousand people. There is what they've said. I think the most they've had is around eighty-three thousand. So uh, it'll be interesting for sure. That record's going down. Eighty-three thousand. That's going down. 
Hey, who's the most famous Canadian to reach out to you? Um, I, I, you know, there was one guy that reached out when I made it to the big leagues. He sent me a telegram, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. You know, you, when I got the big leagues in 1989, that's how things were, were done, by telegram. And then uh, he reached out again via email to me and, and congratulated me on the Hall of Fame, and that was Donald, Donald Sutherland, which, uh, you know, I, I thought was pretty I thought it was pretty cool back in 89 and, and really cool again that he still still remembered me and reached out and, and said something. Yeah, it was great. Of course, Getty, Getty Lee from Russia going through some tough times with their drummer, Neil Pert dying. Uh, you know, he still was able to send something as well, which was pretty cool in my books. How about the Prime Minister, Trudeau? Uh, he sent something out on Twitter. Uh, I don't have any direct contact with him uh, via phone or anything like that, but uh, somebody did forward me something where he came out on Twitter and said something really cool as well. Matt Damon hasn't uh, reached out on Instagram with a smooch for you? <laughs> no, not yet. I think our kissing days are done. Walk, I'm excited for you. I'm thrilled for you. And uh, I'll see you in April, man. Congrats again. You guys are. Thank you, man. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Love that interview. But before we dive into it, we should let people know that was actually the second interview with Larry Walker. Because what, are you ta- you, what are you talking about? You called me. It's kind of rare when you call. I mean, sometimes we usually text. But it's really rare when you call twice within three minutes. Like, and I, I couldn't answer. You were in a panic. And I thought either he's won the lottery or something very terrible was happening. I wasn't in a panic. I was so pissed off. So here's the story that Julie's alluding to. I was flying back Sunday morning from uh, da, 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 Reno, did a basketball game in Reno. And I had uh, chatted with Larry the day before. We had texted and we had set up. Um, I knew when I was landing, I was going to go to my car and I was just going to sit in my car and do the interview. And um, so call Larry. We do 20 plus minutes on mm-hmm. tape. Mm-hmm. He's great. You know, Larry's got a great personality, just like you heard. Awesome. You're pumped. Pumped. We got the Hall of Famer, Larry Walker, for our, for our podcast. We're excited, right? And I hang up, and I look at my recording device, which is also my phone, <laughs> and I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> it didn't record. Because operator error, I'm not going to like throw the machine under the bus. <laughs> right, I forgot to spot. push like one more button. Like I merged the phone calls, or excuse mm-hmm. me, I call, you know, I called in the service, but I didn't merge the phone calls. Uh-huh. So that's when I started calling you repeatedly, and you were doing like hot yoga or something. You had to <laughs> get yourself out of class, and I'm like, Julie, I, I just I wanted to scream, yeah. I wanted to break something. There was, and you were the only person I could call to vent. You were yeah. great. You kind of took called, you know, talked me off the roof, and then I calmed down and I texted Larry back. And Larry was off doing something, so I didn't hear back from him immediately. I was uh-huh. like, I'm an idiot, yada, yada, yada. Well, Larry, walk was great. Because then two days later, we did, you know, basically the same interview. But you know what came out, which didn't come out in the first interview? <laughs> the Matt interview? Damon story, which the I love. The Matt Damon story, which I- That is a great story. Isn't that a good story? Yeah, they were so, and it was hilarious, because he's like, yeah, every time, I think they're playing blackjack, and he's like, every time we won, we kiss each other on the cheek. He's like, I don't know where that came from, but maybe we had a couple pops, whatever. It was really fun. The Jeter shows up. And then, I mean, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and he's so classy, too, because you were like, hey, you know, isn't he great? Because talking about Jeter, um, you never hear anything about his personal life. I mean, look at the, you know, the list that he's dated. And Larry Walker, because he's Canadian and awesome he's like yeah yeah i'm not really gonna talk about his life personal life you know and right. i mean it was it was um 
it was a really fun interview. Very, we we're all very proud of Larry Walker. Can you imagine how many people, Julie, are going to be in Cooperstown, New York, in late July? Jeter goes in. Mm. They're going to break. I think Walk was saying well, the record was like eighty three thousand people. They're going to smash that because ha- half of New- the New York metropolitan area will be up there. Half of Canada will be up there, <laughs> and hopefully, half of the Rocky Mountain region will make their way to the beautiful hamlet of Cooperstown, New York. And I love the story where you told him. You said, "I, I, you shook your fist when you heard that he was going in, you know, as a Colorado Rocky, because he is the first. And you make a great point. We don't know when the next one's going to be. We want to say it's going to be Todd Helton, but that's no guarantee, right? right. Right. No, it's it's no guarantee. I think it helps to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but I still believe, and Julie, you and I are going to talk, we'll be here three years from now or whatever, and we're still talk about the Coors Field bias and the altitude bias. I think it, it gives a little bit of a nudge for Todd. I think it's going to be a long process for him, just like it was for Walk. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's really cool that the Rockies now they'll have thirty three next to seventeen um, in in at Coors Field yep. number retired yep and really cool that the Rockies can say they have a Hall of Famer. Think about it. he's three thirty three and you heard him mention there's been a little over nineteen thousand players all time who've who've nineteen in other words when you go down and watch the Avalanche at Pepsi Center. Or the Nuggets, and there's 19,000 people in the building. Look around and go, okay, that is the entire number of people that have ever, for at least one day, played Major League Baseball. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about a guy like Walker or Jeter who who played right. a long cup time. Coffee, because guys. cup of coffee, yeah, yeah, 19,000. You're one of 333 that were so good that we are going to. And they made him sweat for it, right? Even to mm-hmm. the very end when he was saying in the interview, like, every minute goes by, every minute, you know? And then then the phone call comes and he knows the area code, he knows where it's coming from, and then all that relief, he has like 15 people. And he almost you know. didn't answer it. Oh, yeah, it almost went to voicemail. So awesome interview. Um, you're sure we're re- recording this, right? I hope so, because today, here's another thing we're going to reveal, take you behind the curtain, because Julie wants to make sure when she takes time off that I actually know how to run the Adobe Sound. Is that what it's called? Adobe, Adobe Edition. Adobe Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I messed around with it. And um, no, it hasn't been recording. So we got to do this again. <laughs> Actually, it has. Holy. Okay. So hopefully we'll uh, see you next week. Yeah. And um, I'm only doing one interview from now on. I'm going to make sure I push play record and all those other things. Yes, we will, uh, we will reconvene next week. Yeah.